Hello, and welcome to the ESG Mark podcast. I'm Chloe, and today we will be talking to Kate Prince, a CEO and founder of Ancient and Brave. Ancient and Brave are a mission-driven brand with a pledge to put people and the planet at the heart of their business. Their vision is to be a force for good whilst causing as little harm as possible for the planet. Their award-winning brews and supplements are thoughtfully designed to support lifestyle strategies, health goals and fitness ambitions. Today, we're talking to Kate about how she founded her business, how she manages business growth without compromising the quality and sustainability of her products, as well as sustainability in the wellness space. Hi, really great to have you on the podcast, Kate. How are you today? Hi, Chloe. Um, really well, thank you, and delighted to be here. So great. I'd love to start with just asking you to tell us a bit about your business um, and your background. Yeah, sure. Well, background, I started life as a city lawyer and then quickly went media, kind of West End law firm, um, and then in-house to a TV company. So for a good few years, I was sort of doing legal as in reality TV, which uh, was uh, completely different to what I'm doing now, but actually good fun and good training to kind of be able to pivot and move around and be commercially aware, really, is, is probably where I came from. And then my husband and I launched a tea company called Prince and Sons Tea, which we now sell around the world um, and some lovely hotels in the UK. Um, but from that, I started looking at brands and feeling very creative about formulation and ideas around that. And so very quickly, I said, I want my own brand. And um, and it's sort of, I was doing a nutritional course. So it became quite clear to me what that should be. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, so of course, um, that explains a little bit about how you came to start your business. But I'm really intrigued on why Ancient and Brave specifically, and also why focusing on sustainability um, and prioritizing that as part of your business model. I mean, why Ancient and Brave? I mean, Ancient Brave we see ourselves as a mission-driven supplement company. Um, we It was so important for me from the very beginning that we were sustainable. I mean, it's how I kind of try and live my life. And I really felt at that time I had no business being in business if I wasn't producing from a sustainable company and doing things a little bit differently. Um, I was looking around at all the wellness companies and what they were doing. At the same time, as I said, I was doing a nutritional course. I mean, just, just for fun, not to be a nutritionist. So I very much come at this from a commercial um, background. But what I felt was missing was this kind of idea of this gorgeous um, product, this idea of ritual packaging and developing a brand that could really stand out and therefore has something to say. And I think as part of that, it became very clear that all the sustainable values um, had to be at the forefront of this. And I started working with an amazing mentor who I've worked with from the beginning, Renee Elliott, who actually founded Planet Organic. And she used to have a great quote, which I'm trying to remember, which I think is something like commercially driven, but values led. And I loved that approach because I suppose if I was starting a company now, I mean, I, everything, we, we did everything from the beginning. We tried to do amazing sustainable ingredients, recyclable packaging. So we haven't changed our values from there. But I do understand that for some businesses, obviously, that is much more of a challenge. And I don't think it should be, whilst I do think it should be at the forefront of your mind, I don't think it should be a complete barrier to entry. Um, and I think what you have to do is have a commercial awareness, know where you want to be, where you want to go. And if that's small steps then that's the way it is. I mean, if, if, if for example, 
you know, I all of our paper that we use and card that we use is FSC grade. So it comes from sustainable forestry commission stock. But that's expensive. And if you have to start with recyclable paper that maybe isn't FSC, then that's your compromise. But you know that in a year or whenever you can, that you want to flip into it all being certified FSC, then great. So you're saying to start a business with the goals of sustainability and the intention of sustainability, but not having to have everything perfect from the get go. Yeah. So from the very beginning, it became absolutely vital to us that uh, we tried to do everything we could right with what with what we had. So we introduced recyclable, responsible um, packaging. Uh, we used the absolute best ingredients where we could. We use organic whenever possible. It's not always possible, but whenever possible, we do. And other than that, we work with suppliers who kind of share our value system. And therefore, we know we're going to be using the best materials, et cetera, in what we do. Um, and I think... That was that was that was the first thing that we tried to get right, obviously. Then um, along the way, uh, I think ESG launched, which was fantastic. And so that was a great opportunity for me to actually kind of go through a series of questions with the team. I think it was not, not quite new, actually. I think it was early days for ESG and brilliant right, to be prompted through that. Can we answer all these questions? Do we have the right answers? Can we achieve this status? Yes. Fantastic. So we were doing some things right. What naturally flowed from that was that we became 1% for the planet. So 1% of all of our revenues and nothing to do with profit, absolutely all revenue, whether we make a profit or not, goes towards environmental causes. Um, We're also uh, climate neutral, which we became about two, three years ago. Um, So we offset our carbon emissions every single year. Um, what else do we? We're, we uh, donate to Rainforest Concern, which we're very proud and pleased to partner with, which is fantastic. We're actually currently looking for a kind of a local um, charity, potentially a women's female charity that we want to kind of partner with much more locally. So that's our, our goal for 2023. Um, and we're a living wage provider. So currently our team is actually all women. So we've grown to about 20 women now. And yeah, that's where we're at. I mean, you know, we'll just see how that pans out. I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty of brilliant men out there who will join the team at some point. But but so far, that's where we've gone. Your, your customers, uh, are they focusing, do you think, um, on one sustainability issue or are they coming to you because of like the breadth of sustainability policies and certifications that you have? Mm. Uh, again, I think that's a great question. I think I think consumers really start by looking at ingredients and what particularly in the food or wellness industry. And so everyone's becoming so much more aware of what we're putting in our bodies. There's this whole kind of beauty from within now, which I think is actually gonna be, you know, the growth of that is is quite astronomical compared to even like, you know, creams, et cetera, on our body. So I think it's all about ingredients. And then I think they flip into packaging. Have you got too much packaging? Are you saying what you need to say on your packaging? Are you telling me the information that I need to know to know that you are a sustainable, transparent company? Um, what what type of packaging are you using? Is it single use? Is it FSC grade? So I think there's there's a real appetite from a consumer for both of those two points. And then I think we get a whole tranche of consumers, which is growing as we're all becoming more aware of the type of products that we want to buy, the type of products we want to use and have in our homes. Um, 
And so I think people are starting to look for those flags, if you like, which could be that you're FSC grade, which could be that you are B Corp or ESG. And again, I think that level of verification and third party endorsement really is what the consumer really wants to know. Um, they don't want to be misled. They 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 want everything completely transparent and rightly so. So we're a big supporter of that. And we try and put signposts and flags on our packaging and on our website to inform and educate. And also we're doing a whole piece of work, an impact report right now, which is about what we're not doing and what we need to do. Um, and really kind of, again, holding ourselves out for accountability to our consumers and our stakeholders. Um, I, I think I think this really plays well from a business perspective. I mean, not only is it vital for the planet, but I think as a consumer, you want to buy. You know, our consumers are really bright. They're really knowledgeable. Everyone's becoming incredibly informed, which is fantastic. But they want to buy from a brand that shares their values. And I think by having these flags and these pointers, we're clearly hopefully showing that we're aligned and that you can trust us as a brand. Um, and, you know, I think all we can do is keep working on that and keep being as transparent as possible. So often there can be a lot of greenwashing and promotion of single use items within the wellness space. Um, we're seeing, you know, self-care like you said, I think this is really shifting, but often, you know, five years ago, self-care was um, a single use face mask, um, bath bomb, you know, like all of these things that you use once and often have plastic packaging. Um, and even, you know, I've seen on shampoos that promote organic uh, natural ingredients, but then the bottle's not recyclable or, you know, you're seeing this kind of contrast of wellness and sustainability um, coming from the same idea like the wellness space of seeing that people interested in wellness are also interested in sustainability and these are two intrinsic things within your company right so yeah. how do these topics go hand in hand for you um, and how do they I guess inform each other there's so many more people with so much more knowledge than me and I'm trying desperately to read, listen and learn from them and working with um, a few people who are complete experts in this area. We've recently introduced compostable packaging, which is an option for a refill refillable option to our glass jars, for example. Um, and that that felt great. And that's what we're hearing that everyone wants and what we should be doing. However, is that's only great if people can compost it or put it in their food waste, which is down to the local council. So there are there's a lot more work to be done by our government, which is about supporting recycling and, and the choices of recycling and make sure that we all know that that is transparent, which we which we know it's not and should be and is shipped, you know, off wherever in the world. So I think there's that conversation. I think, you know, plastic has sort of become this very dirty word, even to myself. But actually, as you learn more and more about it, the plastic's just not one thing. It, it, it can be many different things. And there's so much work and technology which is going into plastics right now that there's a whole conversation which is happening about that plastic is a far better product for our circular economy and potentially even better than compostable. So it became, you know, I think that's the conversation for the future. I don't think we have the answer to that yet. And I think we're going to see that play out over the next 12 to 24 months, potentially. And I think a lot of that is about the legislation that the government will bring in. I think it's about the recycling that they will offer. And so as a brand, I'm sort of 
super hyper aware of that this is a topic which we have not resolved yet because the technology isn't there or the opportunity to recycle it isn't there, but it's coming. And so it's about, I think, myself and other brands just keeping an eye on that and going, well, look, if the moment comes when actually my compostable pouches are not the right thing and not the best thing for the circular economy, and we need to flip into a plastic and again my knowledge on plastics is is small but obviously you know there there are obviously some better than others and they they are working on solutions where there's just better recycling for that plastic and if that becomes the case do we flip into that now that's a challenge commercially because we've spent well you know we the world have spent three five years talking about compostable for example and going everyone buy compostable don't buy anything else so we'll have to kind of flip that conversation back again. So, you know, I, I'm just going to hopefully just we're going to keep an eye on that. We're going to keep fully aware of that and uh, see where that conversation takes us. But it, it's a vital one that we need to be having. It's it's a similar one that we need to be having to, OK, great, we're climate neutral tick. What does that mean? You know, what does that really, really mean? What that means is that we're offsetting our carbon emissions by planting trees. But actually what we really need to be doing is coping with, um, as part of carbon emissions, you have scope one, two, and three. And we all need to be getting our scope three down, which is much harder because it's not about my company. It's about my supply chain downstream and upstream. And that's a much harder conversation is to persuade my suppliers or only work with suppliers who also want to be net zero. Uh, it's a much more expensive. It's a much longer process, but it's a vital one. Uh, and so that actually is something that we're also debating as a company at the moment. I think it's good to acknowledge, like you said, if the systems aren't in place, you know, for recycling to be easy for the consumer or, you know, like not everyone has a compost bin. Um, mm. It like you said it does need to be legislation it does need to be processes put in place by governments there's only so much as a business you can do until that's a viable option I guess yeah I mean I think we have a huge responsibility and Mm. I'm not putting it onto any third parties I need to do everything that we can do right now um but unfortunately we are a bit hampered by just working with what materials are available uh but it's just about knowledge being informed, being aware, keeping our eye on that and making sure that we understand from the experts what the right decision is and we use it, whatever the cost really to us as a company is. Um, So what is something you wish you'd have known before you started a sustainable business? I feel like it was such a priority for us that we only from the very outset went for the best packaging that we could find at that point and the best ingredients and we continue down that line so we did as my advice previously was do that and then factor that into what your costs are um i mean for example with our ingredients one of our main best sellers is a beautiful bovine collagen and then recently we've brought out a marine now it took three years to bring out marine because we were only going to bring out one that was from sustainable stock um and the, the truth is that both those collagens, you know, all collagens are not equal. So that collagen actually can cost me three or four times potentially as a as a raw ingredient. Well, it might cost a competitor who potentially doesn't share those values or is using an inferior grade collagen. Um, so there's a real cost and impact to your business that you have to be ready for. So really that kind of the advice, which I would give anyone um, uh 
But I think, you know, we have made mistakes along the way as a business. We've definitely had to get pretty nimble. And, you know, uh, with Brexit and COVID, et cetera, (laughs) these have not been easy things. But I think also both those two moments gave us the opportunity as a business to kind of bed and ground in. Um, And I really feel like stay true to your values. And there have been moments along the way, definitely, where I have seen competitor companies, particularly we we saw a lot of companies grow during COVID um, startups who now potentially a lot of them have gone by the wayside because I don't think they've had the grounding, the story, um, the credentials that, as you've rightly said already, that I think the consumers are really looking for right now. Um, and I would say, put, get everything, get all your ducks in a row, get, you know, bed in, ground in, you know, really work out the type of company you want to be and do that right from the beginning. And if it's slower growth or more expensive, I think it will pay out. I mean, that's that's obviously what I tell myself because I really truly believe that, that that is going to pay out along the way. And, um, and we're just going to stay really true to our value system and about who we are as a brand and that integrity. And we still won't make, you know, claims that we, you know, uh, that are not, you know, that we cannot make and they're not enforceable. And I think you have to just keep coming back to who you are and what where your values led as a company. As part of the research for this podcast, I did listen to um, the wellness podcast, the Ancient and Brave sponsor. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, and I did, um, I listened to you talking about how, you know, you could have been at a dinner table four years ago with people and mentioning collagen and everyone's like, whoa, yeah. like, what's, what <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. happening here? Um, yeah. Whereas now you could sit at the same dinner party and everyone would be, you know, talking about their collagen supplements, talking about um, all these yeah. sustainable and um, health benefits of new wellness Um I don't want to use the word trends, like new wellness um, knowledge, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I guess, imagine um, a guest at that dinner party four years ago who doesn't know anything about the wellness space, kind of has the background of, you know, face masks or, um, and they want to start internally with that wellness, like you said, the inside out. Um, what would your advice be to them? Like, how can they start caring for themselves and the planet? Hmm. Um, so I'm going to answer that by going back to what you just said, which is that when I first started the company, in terms of the products that the wellness products that we sell at Ancient and Brave, very few of them were being used or been talked about. Things like MCT, which is a, a, a coconut oil to collagen, which we derive from, um, or we now have one from bovine, one from marine, and one from a vegan uh, one that we've 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 created um, ourselves. And nobody was taking those products, and nobody had heard of them, and nobody knew why. And I think there's just been such a huge education, and I think COVID has has really put us that as a consumer, there's just such a growth and awareness of wellness. Firstly, we're all about preventative now rather than curative. I think that's a really key point. So we're all kind of looking at what we want, again, what we want to put into our bodies and where the source of that comes from and what that can do for us. Um, I think the, the products that we put out there, we absolutely try and make as pure and potent and sustainable as possible. Collagen is an amazing product in that it's, it's actually nutrition for your whole body health. So a lot of people, associate it and relate it to beauty 
and hair and nails and that's great but that's not really what we talk about hardly ever we talk about bones we talk about joints we talk about gut health and you know there are many testimonials um out there um and endorsements of people that it's, it's really really worked for so you know all i can say is, is try it and see if it's right for you um and I think the, the key when it comes to wellness, because we're all leading such incredibly busy lives right now, is really around, we always talk about it in terms of ritual. We have something called the brave lifestyle, which is very much a kind of a connection back to the planet, which I think ties in really nicely with our value system. So that might be getting up early, you know, moving with your circadian rhythm, go out barefoot walking, forest bathing, cold water swimming. And these are connections to nature. And that's not always easy because people live in cities and et cetera. But I think there, there are moments that you can connect. And part of that might be just part of your daily ritual, which for us, for me, would be waking up and having, um, I always have like a green tea and I would add my collagen into that tea and later in the afternoon if you're having a mid-afternoon slump which we all do I definitely do I'm kind of getting uh maybe one of our cacao for example delicious nutritious hot hot chocolate <laughs> drink which we add lovely ingredients into things like ashwagandha that's lovely for kind of balance etc and um you know and I think we're making I'm making that personally and the team of all these women we, we like to make that kind of part of our everyday ritual so it just becomes a very easy thing to implement into your into your life and and I think the idea of Ancient Brave the brand was to create a, a vision if you like or lovely tactile packaging that you want to have out in your kitchen you don't want to put it in your kitchen cupboard um, so you're not hiding it away which means hopefully if you like it and you're proud of it which because we love it then you're having it out in your kitchen and it's like right next to my um you know kettle over there and actually I don't forget because it's literally front and center um and you know we like to think that our consumers have that same feeling about the brand and that same connection yeah I guess I guess it's about not only picking the first wellness step that you will make but also making sure that step is achievable reliable mm -hmm. consistent like you said yeah. having it on display having it there just to reach to and use and I guess for our final question um so each week we'll ask the next guest a question from the previous guest if that makes sense so um what would you like to ask another sustainable business um what would I like to I mean my our challenges moving forward I think for 2023 and beyond are what I've sort of touched on as part of this conversation which is around climate neutral versus net zero how we achieve that what are the key things that we can do to minimize our emissions particularly in scope three and I think there's a whole conversation as I've said which um, is coming around compostable versus plastic. And I'm just so interested to see how other businesses feel about that, how they would tackle that, what their thoughts are. Um, and I'm just learning and listening all the time. So, you know, to get any feedback um, from another sustainable business um, on those points, I think is vital. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast um, and sharing all your knowledge with us. Oh, Chloe, it's been lovely and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. 
For more information on Ancient and Brave, please check our show notes from today's episode.